Thanks for listening to the podcast from Jonathan Combs and the preaching team at Eastgate Church in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more. And now, here's the sermon. Good morning, church. Good to see all of you this morning. We're continuing our series that we just began in the new year called Simple Life. And uh, hopefully last week you enjoyed that. If you missed it, it's online for you and you can get caught up real quick. But uh, these are not necessarily in order. They're kind of building on each other to some degree, but you'll be just fine today. If you missed last week, we're going to be in the book of Mark chapter 12. And I did want to mention something. We, uh, we talked about this last week, at least in our announcements, that uh, we try to celebrate every year if anyone read through the one-year Bible. It's not been something we push too heavy at our church, uh, at our campus yet, but over the next few years, maybe that'll be something we do more of. But my, my dad, who's the pastor in the, at the Wilson campus, has been going through the one-year Bible for, I don't know, I think 15 years now or so, and people come on that journey with you, with him. So if that's you today, did, did anybody come today from Wilson, maybe, that read through the Bible in one year? I wanted to recognize you. I didn't want to leave you out. That's okay. No worries, everybody. I just didn't want somebody to go, hey, I, I wanted to, you know, get a shout-out for reading through the Bible. To be fair, it should be enough just to do it. But uh, I was going to give you a gift just because I love you. But anyway, something to, something to think about this year. Something we're going to talk about a little bit today is this idea of having a, a full devotion to Christ. and putting Today's title is Putting First Things First. So reorienting your life in such a way that you put the most important things at the top. And so what, what comes out first, that's today's topic. And the joy of, of simple living and putting things first and getting things Getting your priorities in order is really a huge relief if you've ever kind of lived into that where you felt like, okay, right now I feel that I've got my stuff in order. Uh, Maybe some of you in the room are like, I'm not positive I've ever been there. And to some degree, I understand that. There, There have been times where maybe my life was a little more oriented than others. And of course... We're all running this thing, and I got an image for you. We're all running this life kind of like we're on a hamster wheel. I don't know if you feel this way. I feel like I'm doing the same things over and over again, and sometimes it's not feeling like progress. Uh, Some of the foolishness that I get myself into on a weekly basis doesn't feel like a lot of progress. Now, there's a sense of this where you may feel that you're constantly in a hurry, and I want to say that that might be the thing that defines uh, Americans maybe better than anything, is that we are in a a big hurry. Now, most people, if you look around, they don't really know where they're hurrying off to, but they're in a big hurry to go somewhere. They're in a big hurry to find this next thing that might be success, or they're in a hurry to get there, but instead of feeling peace or joy or, or feeling successful, most people, like me and you, often feel very disoriented, very like we're missing our, our purpose. Here's a couple of quotes for you. I got this out of a, a book, a, a devotional book called 31 Days of Unhurried Living. Um, it's a nice little devotion if you want to check it out, 31 Days of Unhurried Living. But on day five, it said this, John Ortberg quoted this, it says, hurry is not just a disordered schedule. Hurry is a disordered heart. And then he goes through these things. This is for you, my friends. This, this will be kind of the need to you today. If you're, if you're on one of these things, if one or more of these describe you, you are truly busy. You're truly in a hurry. And I want you to hear something today. Being busy is not necessarily good. Being busy with the Lord is good. Uh, 
But being in a hurry is often not uh, giving, giving your life room, really, to experience what God is doing. And so here's a few things. If one or two of these describe you, you're truly in a hurry. The first one is this, habit. What are your habits? Rushing is your MO. Is, is being in a rush your habit? I'm always in a hurry. Worth. Do you feel worth by being in a constant state of urgency? If you're urgent, you feel valuable. If that's you, you're in a state of hurry. Guilt. You feel bad when you slow down or if you're not doing something. You feel like you're messing up. Fear. You're afraid. You're afraid of being still. Because if you're still long enough, then your mind starts to wonder. And you got to face the disappointments that you've been putting off. You've not faced them yet, so you just keep on working, moving, hurry. Pressure. You feel the need to perform, to be loved, or to prove yourself. Competition. You have a sense that if you slow down, others are going to move ahead of you. Control. You think that if you, you think that you have to do everything or life is going to fall apart. If you don't do it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to explode. Or some of you have what we're being, starting to call in our, in our culture FOMO. You fear that you'll miss opportunities if you slow down, if you pause. If one or more of those describe you, you're truly in a hurry. You're very busy, and hurry does not necessarily mean effective. It, it may mean, in fact, that you're in a disordered state. Your heart is disordered. Do you know that God cares a great deal about this? That might be surprising to some of you. He cares a great deal about your heart, about the condition of your love, about the condition of your busyness. He cares deeply about this. Because why? Because he made you for himself. He didn't just flip the coin and say, oh, hold this. there's this guy named Jonathan and he's going to go about his business. No, he made me, he made you for himself. And he desires company. He desires to be with us. He desires to be a part of the things he's created us to do. And when we're in a state of hurry... It's hard to be in a state of true love. <laughs> it really is. In the book of Revelation, in fact, Jesus tells the church of Ephesus that although they've been persevering and they've demonstrated all these wonderful things and hard work for God, he says this, and this is a very hard thing to hear today, and it may be so many of you, it often describes me. Yet, I hold this against you, Revelation 2.4, you have forsaken your first love. You've forsaken your first love. You're doing all the hard work. You're going through the motions. You're persevering. But have you forgotten why it is you're doing what you're doing? Have you forgotten the love that was underneath it all? So many of us struggle there. And not just in our relationship with the Father, but with our relationships to one another. We're going through the motions. Maybe we're being a good parent, but not because there's love underneath, but because I need to do these things to perform the task. It's like Jesus... Here is accusing the church of Ephesus of letting the romance go. Where's the, where's the romance, Ephesus? Where's the romance, church, Eastgate Church? How can we put God back in first place? How can we put first things first? That's where we're going to be today, just in a few simple verses in Mark chapter 12. And here we see Jesus describing what has come to be known as the great commandment. And in a sense... He was asked to do the very thing we're trying to do together over the next few weeks, and that is how to simplify our lives. 
How to do some simple things that will truly help us to walk not only with the Lord, but walk in true peace and joy because we're walking with Him. And Jesus is essentially asked in Mark to sum up the commandments. Put them into one, and I think they were surprised to find out that He could do it. I think they were trying to stump Him, and they couldn't. And here's what He ends up putting down, what we're about to read in Mark chapter 12. Jesus didn't pause. He gave them a simple command that loving God first really sums up the commandments. And we can put our love of God first in our life. We can prioritize loving Christ Jesus first. The text, I think, will give us four very simple ways. They're very obvious in the text of how to put loving God first. Mark chapter 12, let's read together, verses 28 through 31. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he, he, Jesus here, had answered them so well, he asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, Well, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. God bless the reading of his word. Amen. This is amazing what Christ does here that he sums up really the Ten Commandments. But more than that, the, the commands of, of Leviticus, of the Torah, he sums them up in really two big themes, both about love. Love God with all of your being. Every bit of yourself, love God. And then love your neighbor. That sums up not only the first four, but then you get the back six there too with love your neighbor as yourself. How do we put love God, the love of God first in your life? We're really going to zoom in on verse 29 and verse 30 here. How to put the love of God first in our life is this. The first is this. Give God the first part of your week through passionate worship. Good news, church. Look around. You've done that. Well, at least you've showed up. Now, I can't decide whether or not this is passionate. I can't decide whether or not this is true worship for you. This is, this is between you and the Lord, whether or not the reading of his word, the singing of, 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 of hymns and songs together, whether or not the prayer we share together is going to start your week with passionate worship. But this is a mere starting point, right? This is the first day of the week. But what about tomorrow? You know you can have church in your living room tomorrow morning? You can have church tonight. You don't have to be in this place. Now, God certainly calls us to be in fellowship and to come together and to worship together. There's plenty of calls in Scripture for that. But then, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, continue the habit of passionate worship. This is where Jesus begins answering this question. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. All your heart, the seat, if you will. This word heart, in the Greek here is cardia. It's where we get the word cardio or uh, there's so many different card, cardia words that we use in English. This is a pretty common word if you're dealing with the heart. and For the, the Hebrew context, even for the Greek context, this is the idea of the center of the being, the, the place of passion. If you will, all four of the things he's mentioned really fall up under this first one. It's almost like he's, if you've seen those Matryoshka dolls, those things where there's a big one, you open it, and there's a little one, and there's a little one, and you just keep stacking them, you know what I'm talking, these stacking dolls. That's really what Christ has done here. This first one, heart, is the center of one's self. He says, love me 
Love the Lord your God with all of that. Now, we've come to really take that, that, that word heart and we use it constantly. We use it so much like they did. It's not gotten so foreign to us. We say, hey, are you doing this with your heart, with all of your heart? Like when you go to work tomorrow, are you doing that with your heart? Do, do you love your kids from your heart? You know, we use that term. It's not foreign. And that's exactly what Christ is saying here. Love unconditionally. Come, come before me with this passionate heart kind of love. Now, you may have just kind of walked right past this. And I did too when I first read this text. I've read it umpteen times. I've read it so many times. And this week I read it. I don't know, on the the third or fourth, I don't know how many times I read through the passage, I noticed this word all, which fascinated me maybe for the first time. Maybe I've noticed it before, but it, it shocked me this time. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, i got to admit, that troubled me at first. Because how in the world am I to love God with all of my passion, with, with all of my love, when he's also called me to be a loving husband, to love my children, to honor my father and mother, to love them. What do I do with those relationships? So I, I had to really kind of dig in on this, and this is where the idea of first comes from. Okay, Follow along here for me uh, for just a moment. When he's saying all here, he's really what he's saying is the best. In comparison, in fact, there's an, there's an illustration that Jesus gives to one young man where he comes up and he wants to walk with the Lord, he wants to follow, he wants to be a disciple of Jesus. But he has some errands that he has to run with his family. And Jesus tells him, unless, unless you hate your father and mother and your brothers and sisters, you can't follow me. Wait a minute. Does Jesus literally mean that we're, in order to be a disciple of Christ, we have to hate our relatives? No. In comparison to the love and the discipline we have towards him, in comparison it would seem like hate. I know that's strong, but, but, he, but hear what Christ is saying. In comparison to how much we love him and follow him and seek him, in comparison, <laughs> there's, there's no comparison. You know, The way I feel about him, the way I think about him, the way I serve him, my devotion to him, in comparison to my devotion to my family, is way far off. Now what's interesting about that is as he's called me to himself, as he's called me to love him with all of my heart, he's also called me to love these, <laughs> to love others. In fact, in this very command, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Certainly love your wife, your husband, your kids. There's so much into that. But when I get, here's the fascinating thing, church. When I get this right, where I love God first, top priority, now I actually know how to love people. Because I don't know how to do that well apart from him. That's just true, church, because it's hard. It's almost, I would say, it might be impossible to unconditionally love others apart from Jesus. And that's what he's called us to in verse 31. He says, love agape, your neighbor as yourself. Impossible to do apart from the love of God now pouring through me. So I love God with all of my heart in the sense that he gets the best of me, my first fruits, before I speak to my wife in the morning, I speak to him. Before I speak to you today, I speak to him. But, but before any, I start anything else, he is first. It's a great place to be today that you would start your work week. Putting him first, and I pray you do it. 
That this isn't just a place where we come to hang out and look around and go, ah, you know, that drummer was a little off today. You'd be right about that. He's not a drummer. He's an okay preacher. You'd be thinking, oh, I'm going to put God first in this place. I'm, I'm going to go beyond looking around and feeling uncomfortable. No, I'm going to focus my attention on him so that he could have my, my passion, my heart today. I pray that happens in this place. Otherwise, what are we doing? I pray your passion, your heart is given. This is the idea of first love, first fruits. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce. That is, you're giving him your best. You're not waiting. You're not holding off. No, he's getting my first words today. He's getting my first song today. He's getting my passionate today. And I'm doing that every day. And I'm going to start to see God informing and moving in my life so that if my first words are to him, my second words going to my spouse are going to be holy. They're going to be, they're going to be loving beyond what I want. Because what I want for my wife, for my kids, for my coworkers, for whoever, what I want for them is very selfish. But what God wants for them is something more. And when my first talk is with him, it changes everything. Why is this? Because we have a heart problem apart from him. You could go to any place just about in Scripture to see this. This is what, what the Lord says to Ezekiel. He says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That is why when we begin here, God begins to stir in the heart and mold something new in you so that now you can do the second part that he's called you to. That's why the Ten Commandments are in the order that they're in. That's why Jesus speaks the way he speaks. Love God first. Then you can love others. The way that he's designed you to love them, not based on your selfish conditional intent. Surrender your heart to him. Surrender your will to him. First Peter chapter 3, it says, In your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Now this is fascinating. As I said earlier in the book of Revelation, he says you've forsaken your first love. Jesus seems to be speaking to them like, hey, the light, the fire underneath our passion, uh, the fire underneath our romance has gone out. Now that sounds a little funny, but I, I want to carry that a little bit further, that our passionate love for him, it, it's not eros, you know, it's not that. The Greek describes many different types of love. There's agape, this unconditional God kind of love. There's phileo, which is a brotherly kind of love. Philadelphia means the city of brotherly love. And then there's eros, which is this uh, attractional, you know, this, this physical kind of love. That's not what he's calling us to. But in a sense, this idea of agape is to love God with all of my heart and all of my passion. It's like, it's like the best parts of what romance is, if you will. And I want to just describe something here for a second, because I think this is going to be super obvious to you. Uh, that if, if I do something, I'm a married man. I've been married. I'm coming up on 20 years here pretty soon, y'all, believe it or not. I don't know how I've pulled that off. I have been an absolute knucklehead for a lot of that. And I made lots of mistakes and... The, the one thing I've done okay at is I try, to remember, I try to remember celebrations. You know, if you get yourself in a lot of trouble if you forget a birthday or an anniversary or something like that. You get yourself in a world of trouble if you forget that kind of stuff. And maybe, maybe though, you don't forget, but then you just keep doing the same things over and over again. Men in the room, I'm sorry, I'm just like you. If it worked last time, you think it might work again? You know, you kind of get into a habit, kind of like Moses. I struck the rock. I'll just strike it again. It'll bring water. It doesn't seem to work that way. Women, 
don't like encores. I don't know what's up with that. If, if the food tasted good that time, it's probably going to taste good again. That's just how I roll. But you can keep, we can just keep doing the same celebrations over and over again, and it's going to put a smile on my face. But if I just continue to make it a ritual, ritual is dry. Ritual becomes not very romantic. And that's just one piece of this idea that, that he's describing to Ephesus. He's saying, you guys are you're going through the motions. You're persevering in your faith. You're working real hard. But when I look underneath into your intent, I see that you're just serving me as work. You're doing the same stuff over and over and over again. But do you really see me? Do you really hear me? Do you really want a personal relationship with me? That's not based on, okay, I've given you flowers every single time. There's another thing that we can do. If I, I, if I come bringing my wife, let's just say, let's say I bring her flowers and I say, Honey, here's some flowers for you. And here's why. Here's the three strategic reasons why I've brought you flowers today, my love. <laughs> Number one, I'm your husband. The husbands are supposed to do stuff like this. Number two... It's our anniversary. And number three, if I didn't, you'd be mad at me. So that sounds very romantic, right? I've got three strategic reasons how I'm going to show you my love. Isn't it logical? Isn't it reasonable? And, uh, and you know, maybe in, in my head I'm thinking it's very reasonable. It's very logical she should be happy. I think this is why God makes us male and female. It's because they're both character traits of God. We are made in his image. And I'm like the reasonable, I'm like Data from Star Trek. I don't know if y'all grew up watching that, but like I'm the guy that, for, God forgot the emotion chip. Like I forget to cry when I'm supposed to or smile when I'm, I'm just going through life like automaton sometimes. And my wife doesn't, not even slightly. Maybe it's become a ritual. Maybe it's become dry or... Maybe there's no passion in it. It's just all reason and logic. But I pray today, I pray today, not only in this place, that God would stir in your heart. Because what he wants with you is not a bunch of checks. Oh, good job, Jonathan. You prayed today. Check. You got in your word today. Check. Good stuff. You went to church today. You know, Jesus isn't interested in that. In fact, in another passage of Scripture, when the people of God are acting like that, he says, I, I hate your Sabbaths. I hate you coming to church like that, essentially. Because I don't have your heart. I just have your works. He wants a personal relationship with you. Just like your spouse. Just like your children. It's never going to be enough for them that you just, hey, I paid the bills, honey. Hey, I went to work today. Hey, I, I took the garbage out. Hey, I cleaned up the, the, the dishes. Oh, great. But do you know me? Do we speak? You see what I'm saying? Is this, I hope this is coming in. This might be the most important piece of any. If you get this piece, the rest of it's going to fall in line. That's why Jesus starts here. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Does he have your passion? Do you want to know him? Do you want to know the God of the universe? He wants you to know him. He, he has designed you to be in community with him. Isn't that amazing? That the God of all things says, not only do I want you, I've created you for myself, but the distance that was created between us, I covered it. There was a brokenness that you couldn't overcome. I sent my son Jesus to overcome it for you so that you and I could be one. Please, come into my kingdom. Please, come to me in prayer, not just because I need to check it off. No, I want to know you. 
I want to see you. I want to hear you. I want to see you move in my life. There's more to all of this than what I'm seeing. You've got a bigger plan. Show me. Walk with me. Putting first things first starts here. God, I give you the first place in my heart. Yeah, I've got all of this stuff that you've called me to love, but you have my first love. And help me to find passion in it. Some of you have been walking with the Lord for quite some time. And this gets challenging because things get ritualistic. Things get dry. Things get legalistic even at times. So I'm just doing these things out of obedience. I pray for you today and myself as well. It's almost a more pleasant place to have just come to faith because it's all new. But it's just a matter of time before you've got to fan it into flame. This is why Paul says this to Timothy. He says, there, there are coals down in there. You've got, to keep putting, you've got to keep putting gas on the fire, my friends. How do you do that? Seeking him first. Here's the second. The second thing he says is, love the Lord God with all your heart and then with all your soul. Now that, that's a little harder to define. We use this word soul some, but I think what he's speaking here of is this, this unseen self, if you will, this, the unseen stuff. That's why the, the point here, the way here to love God, to love him first, is to give God the first conversation of your day through focused prayer. Now, I've been kind of pointing in that, at that already. This is what he's speaking to here, that there's, a, there's an unseen relationship. There's an essence of who you are. <laughs> this is a fascinating thing. Because there are things you think in words that maybe come to mind that no one ever hears. That you're scared to even trust that to your spouse. And I don't blame you. Because there's some wild stuff rattling around in your, deepest, in your deepest sense. And there's that unseen stuff. That's, that's the soul. That's the stuff that's underneath there. The seed of your desires. The, the essence of who you are. And God says, I want that. I want that. And that's actually extremely helpful because there's just some things in my life that I'm hurting, I'm struggling with or and I don't know how to I don't know how to unpack them. You got some mess in your life that's in a box right now that you're like I can't open this stuff up for anybody. I've I've opened it a little bit. I've cracked the box and showed my wife and gone, "Hmm. She won't ready for that." And cuz I look in there and go, "Whoa." That's a mess. That's a real mess down in there. But Jesus, he says, love the Lord your God with all your soul. When I open that stuff up to him, he can make some real sense of it. I don't know why I'm thinking this way. I don't know why I have pain and there's suffering in this area. I don't know why it is that I crave things I shouldn't crave, that I'm tempted by things I should, shouldn't be tempted by, that I'm, that where, where is this? And I can open this up to him. He says, I want that. I want all of that. Because I'm ready to go in there and restore you. I'm ready to make you whole and you're not whole. This is why Jesus begins, as we said last week, with follow me. The invitation is come, come to me, follow me, give me your, your deepest thoughts. He says in Luke chapter 5, in fact, this is the way Jesus began his day. John and Luke chapter 5, excuse me, Jesus would often go to some place where he could be alone and pray. Earlier in Mark, Mark chapter 1, it says, very early the next morning, Jesus got up and went to a place where he could be alone and pray. There's multiple places I could take you to in Scripture where it says, Jesus got up in the morning and went alone and prayed. Now, why in the world would the God of the universe need to do that? Well, 
We'd have to spend a whole sermon on understanding what it is exactly that Jesus did when he stepped off the throne and became a man. It, the Bible teaches that he, he took on the form of a servant, that there was something he put aside in order to, to save us. So in this time where he's in the flesh, he's not only modeling something for us that, hey, look, the, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, he still goes and prays every day. He's got a habit of starting his day this way. This is a model. But also, Jesus is describing something that there was a need for him. If it's a need for the Savior, if it's a need for the Son of God, then, wow, I don't even, I don't even know what could. Something beyond a need for me. It's like food. I, I won't survive without it. Jesus got up very early. Who are my, who are my night owls in the room? Where are you at? I'm one of them. I'm raising mine. None of y'all? Good job over there. I applaud you. Hey, look, God made us unique, and, and I've been this way my whole life. I, I don't think it was taught behavior. I think it's, I don't know, there's something intrinsic about it. I used to argue this point in discipleship. I've been, both, I've been discipled, but I've also discipled a lot of younger people throughout, and like college time and teenagers and things. And I used to say constantly, I'd say, you know, come to, come to God when you're at your best. That's true. Those night owls in the room, there is no reason that you shouldn't be enjoying some time with the Lord in the evenings. But there's no excuse for not starting your day with Him. I'm saying that as a night owl. I'm sorry. There's, there's no excuse. If, you, if the first thing you need to do in the morning is get a cup of coffee in your hands and you already understand there's some things you need to do to start your day well. Okay? Boy, I need it. Before I go to work, I better hop in the shower. Okay. We already know this. We don't make excuses for so many. I'm not, I'm not a morning person. Yeah, but you're not going to work with your hair like this and barely any clothes on and no coffee in your hand. You're doing some things in the morning to get ready. You're missing a very important step, though. Jesus got up early. He got up early to spend time with Jesus. And if you've got some kids, I have four kids. They start rocking and rolling pretty early. I don't know what's wrong with these people. Like, they're both... Okay, you've heard of night owls and morning people? They are both. They, they want to stay up all night, and even if they do, and I don't know if you've observed this, parents, if you let kids stay up super late, they'll still get up super early. They might get up earlier. You're like, what is a vampire child? What are you doing? It's just how it works. There's something going on, and they're like, if, if they get off their sleep schedule, it actually just gets way worse. And so what do I have to do? I have to get up earlier. Because it's really hard to have a good devotion when they're in my... Daddy, I want some milk and cereal. Dad, I want some Pop-Tarts. I love them. I want to help them. But it's hard to sit there and go, Lord, speak to me. I don't think you're speaking to me through this little person. I, I, so i got to get up a little earlier. <laughs> i got to get up before work. And it hurts a little bit. But then, church, believe me when I say this, he shows up. He shows up. Even if he doesn't give me like something amazing that day, there's still something that he's working on in my heart. I start to speak to people different just because I've spent time with him. It's not that I've had some kind of magical moment. Now, there are times where he really reveals himself in his word or in prayer, and I go, wait a minute. That's not every day, but that's okay. Because he's still impacting my life. Church, Jesus got up early and focused prayer. And he's calling, he's modeling that to us. Spend time with him. 
Spend time with him. Start your day with him. Jesus knew what to say no to, in fact, in order to say yes as well. Look at this passage. Mark chapter 1, it says, Simon and those who were with him, they were searching for him. And they found him and said, Hey, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. And he said to them, Well, let us go on to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. They were saying, Hey, let's go back in the city. You're doing a real good job here, Jesus. Come on. He said, No, I need to go to the next place. How did he know that? Because he'd gotten up early, he spent time with the Lord, and the Lord God said, All right, move on. Go to Capernaum today. Go to Galilee today. You got a job, you got a mission. We don't hear from God if we don't spend time with God. It's just facts. First things first. Give God first place in your heart. Give Him first place in your soul. Here's the third. He says, love the Lord your God with all your mind. That is, give God the first thought of your day through biblical meditation. Spend some time in His Word. Love Him with your mind. I had a wonderful conversation earlier this morning. These are my favorite kinds of conversations when somebody comes up to me and says, hey, what are you preaching on this year? I, I want to know maybe, maybe I'll study that same, that same book this year. I want to get more involved in that book too. I want to understand it all the better. I love those. That's wonderful to hear. And you can come up to me afterwards if you've not got any habit of, of, of biblical meditation. There are so many wonderful places to start. There are there are so many wonderful devotions out there if you're having a hard time just picking it up. A devotion could be a good starting place for you before you start to just, okay, I know where I want to spend some time today. Give me the first part of your day, biblical meditation. Loving God with all your heart, loving God with all your mind. Psalm 1, it says, They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. The word meditate here. And the Hebrew has to do with chewing on it. That you get it in your mouth and just chew, chew, chew. Get every last bit of nutrients out. There have been some really creative people in, throughout history. You can pop this image up. Um, you don't have to do this because you've got to go to Jerusalem to do this. All right, But hey, if you're ever in Jerusalem, here's a really great uh, opportunity, a really fun thing to do. Uh, the stairs going up here to the Temple Mount leading up to what they call the third or triple gate there in Jerusalem, there are 15 southern steps. And it's amazing because there's 15 psalms of ascent. Ascent, you, you understand this word, is rise or going up. These words were written to walk up the temple mount. Isn't that cool? So if you ever get the opportunity to be in Jerusalem, each step, you step up one and you read one of the psalms of ascent. Step up another, read the next psalm of ascent. Now, they're not in order, and uh, they're, they're, the, they're Psalms 120 through 134. Maybe they're in order. I thought there was one outside there, but they're 120 through 134, 15 psalms of ascent. That's a, a creative way to get engaged into the Word, and that's what I'm encouraging you to do, my friends. There's some of you in the room that are like, hey, I started reading the Bible. I barely got through Exodus before I was like, this stuff's getting super weird, and then I hopped in this book. It was called Leviticus. So I'm done in there, coach. I, I don't know what happened. Maybe you got through Leviticus and you got to Numbers and went, now I'm, I'm definitely done. Those are, those are wonderful places of Scripture. I'm not, I'm not discouraging you from being there and spending time there. That's God's very word. But if it's your first time trying to have a, a focused daily meditation with the Lord and his word, Numbers isn't a great starting point. It's just not. 
Sorry, Moses, I know it said that you penned it, but that one's tough. There's a lot of history there. I would recommend starting somewhere in the New Testament, starting with a gospel, in fact. Maybe the book of John, where the divinity of Jesus is very clear in the book of John. Or the book of James. Hey, I really need something to chew on, Jonathan. I really, I'm having trouble with my mouth, with the, way, the things I say, with the things I think. I just need some good application, James. James is a preacher's preacher. He comes up there and says, hey, here's why you should speak this way. Here's how you can count all suffering joy. Hey, look, if you're doing works just for works, hey, even the, even the demons do that. Do it out of a heart of passion. James is great. Come up to me afterwards. We can talk about how to get you started. But get creative. Church, some of you have been walking with Jesus a long time. It's become a ritual. Get creative. I need to shake up 24. I'm getting a little bored in this, the way I've been doing things. God, show me a new way. I'm going to be hunting for something new. Get creative. First things first. Put God first in your heart, in your soul, and in your mind. And here's where he concludes. Here's where Jesus concludes. He says, love the Lord your God with all your strength. Now, this one was a little bit more challenging to think about what he's meaning here. Here's where we landed. Give God the first part of your substance through joyful offering. Now, where did I come from there? What is this word strength? This word strength has to do with the idea of your abilities, your, of course, your power, your might. But it has to do with this idea of what strength causes. The result, if you will, of your ability. So what are the results of your ability? If I'm going to give God the results of my power, of my strength, what are those? Well, think work. What, what is the result of work? I, I have a take home. You know, There's something that comes out of the strength of my work. This is where Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your produce. We read that earlier, giving him the first fruits of your production. That means I love him, I honor him, I worship him with not only my income. And I know some of you are like, oh my gosh, he's not going to sit here and talk about you know, tithing. Not the point of what Jesus is saying, but it's not, not the point either. Do you know... This is probably something you've heard, but Jesus speaks a great deal about man's income. He speaks a great deal about it because he knows not that he needs it, not that we need it. You know, I'm going to keep preaching no matter what people do. As long as Jesus is saying, hey, Jonathan, you need to do this, I can do this outside. I don't have to do it in here with lights. So I have no interest in that, but God does. He has extreme interest on what's going on with the production of your, of your work. Because where the, where the heart of man is, or where, where man's treasure is, there his heart is also. And so this is an area of struggle for me, for you, that we would decide, okay, I'll love God. I'll love him with my heart, sort of. I'll love him with my soul and my mind, but can I really love him with my heart? If there's always going to be a place where I'm like, God, you can't touch that. You can't touch my wallet, God. I'm going to do what I want with that. But there's three things we talk about around this church, and I think this is a whole, this is a more of a wholesome way of thinking about what Jesus is speaking to. He's, he's not just talking about tithe. He's talking about time, talent, and treasure. We speak on that a lot here, the three T's. This is the production of your strength, your time, which is valuable, your treasure, and your talents that you are uniquely gifted 
That's why you work in the place that you work. Some of you have gifts of teaching. Some of you have gifts in medicine. You have gifts with people in communication. There's, there's various gifts represented here. God says, I want your time. I want your treasure. I want your talent. I want all of your strength, he says. What does that look like then? Well, Proverbs 3 says this, Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. I was really encouraged this past week. I had lunch with one of you. And I was so encouraged to hear of a person being open-handed with not only their treasure, but their time. There are people, and I'm, I'm not suggesting that you go hunting around town to find all of the different people that are struggling on street corners. But I don't know if you've observed this. There's a lot of them in Rocky Mount. A lot of them. And I don't know the stories. John might. You might know all the stories. John's a police officer here in town. Uh, some of you know some stories about these people. There's, there's a reason, I'm sure, that they're homeless. But that doesn't mean they're not hurting. And it doesn't mean that when they're holding up signs that say, I'm hungry, that they're not hungry. There's probably a litany of other things going on, and that's why they're there. But I was so encouraged this week to hear of a person that, that just drives up to this same person like every week, I guess, and just says, hey. And they've gotten to know each other by name, and he's bringing him like Popeye's sandwiches and bringing him food. And I don't always see these people. You know what I'm saying? I don't even see them. It's like I'm so zoned. I'm so focused that it's hard for me to even give God my time or my, or my talent because I'm zoomed in so close. And some of you have gotten that piece better than me. That's, I think, what Jesus is suggesting here is what, did, what would it look like to love the Lord your God Monday through Friday? Yeah, sure, you come into this place and you give God back your offerings and you give Him back your strength. And you might even say, yes, I'll play drums, even though I have no clue how to play drums, church. If you know how to play drums, sidebar, come on. I don't want to do that. Just think it sounds better with them. So it's great that you come in this place and some of you are teaching in the back every other week and you're you're serving up front. That's great. But what Monday through Saturday is God getting your best, the best of your strength. He's getting, He's getting, He's getting my time. I'm spending time with He's getting my talents. I'm, I'm finding ways to share Him in everything I do. Give thoughtfully, cheerfully, generously, regularly. 2 Corinthians 9, it says, You must each make up your own mind how much you should give. But don't give reluctantly or in response to some pressure. For God loves the person who gives cheerfully. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That means when you get that cry for help from a relative or a, a coworker or maybe even somebody in your small group, hey, my car's broke down, I've got this, and you're thinking, oh, but I got, I got a schedule today. I've got a schedule to keep. Maybe God just might give me 25 hours today. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. But it's funny how he'll make it work out. Yeah, I didn't really have time to spend that hour doing that, but it, it all worked out. God, God made it work. I'm the kind of guy that doesn't want to change the schedule, doesn't want to mess with the plan. God wants to mess all up with my plan. He just wants to monkey it up real big. Will you give cheerfully? Say, all right, God, I'm yours. All right, fine. My time is not my own. The stuff you've given me, at the end of the day, my ability to work is God's. 
because some of you in this room are in, in terrible pain. Some of you have got injuries and terrible things have happened that have caused you to not be able to work. It's God's grace that I can work. So I, if, I, if I really <laughs> melt it all down, I go, okay, God, it's, you're the reason that I can produce anything. So it's your, it is yours. My very existence is yours. I didn't have to be here. You made me for yourself. So I'll give it back cheerfully. Yeah, you can have my time, God. Yeah, I got four kids, and they got to go this way and that way. But hey, you interrupt. You interrupt me where you got to interrupt me, Lord. And the only way I'm going to hear him on that is if I'm giving him all my heart, if I'm talking to him. The only way I'm going to hear my spouse is if I actually go, huh? And listen, the only way I'm going to hear from God is come into contact, start listening, start paying attention, be interruptible. 1 Corinthians 16, it says, Every Sunday each of you make an offering and put it into safekeeping, as generous as you can. And when you get there, I love this, when you get there, you'll be ready. And no one will have to make a special appeal. Now that's really very much about the offering. What I noticed in in Uganda, I spent time in Uganda in 2019. Um, I may go back this year. Y'all be praying for me. I haven't decided what I want to do this year. Uh, My dad's really pushing hard for me to go because he broke his back last year. And he feels like he should go, but he's not sure if he can pull it off. Anyway, be praying for me about that decision. I'm not certain. However, in 2019 when I was in Uganda, I mean, I saw the absolute move of God there. Like what God is doing in the rest of the world is so amazing. What he's doing here is amazing too. But it's, it's, it's interesting to see a unique perspective. And something I've never observed in a church in America is the moment where they would, they would give back to the Lord. And it was, it was real different stuff. There was one church... They were collecting rocks to put in the base of this, the, the base floor of this church. So the offering people were bringing, they were finding these wonderfully big rocks. That's, this is my offering today, Jesus. Boom. That's really not going to work great for us. I don't know what we would do with big rocks, but they needed big rocks for this floor. But every church I went to, that moment of giving back to God, even if it was they were bringing rocks or something random, they'd be bringing vegetables and fruits and they come down the aisle in celebration. We, we kind of keep everything real solemn during that moment. I'm a little careful. Like, do I really want to talk about this with the people? No, the, over there they're like, ha, 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 and just bringing their offerings to the Lord. And I wish we would, we would get a little taste of that. That that would be part of our passionate worship is God has given me ever. Look what God has given me. Of course I'm giving it back to him. I'm not doing it out of some sort of pressure. I'm not doing this because Jonathan asked me to do it. I have not. I'm doing it because I love the Lord and it is his. Here you go. And I would run down the aisle. Y'all can do that today. Hey, whatever you want to do during that moment. We'll have the lights down low for you. You can just. So fascinating to see that we could give God the best of our strength that we could be interruptible, that we could decide, okay, God, this year, you know, I've had some tough seasons. There's been a tough 23 for a lot of you was real tough. Some of you lost people. Some of you have broken relationships that happened last year. Some of you took steep downturns in your finances. There was some rocky stuff that happened last year for so many of you that you would look at this year and go, okay, I'm I'm going to get a fresh start on a couple of things. I'm going to... God, I'm going to give you the best of my heart. I'm going to start some new, some new habits with you that are based on I'm going to be interruptible. Hurry is not going to be my MO anymore. I'm going to be patient with you. 
I'm going to spend time with you. At least, at least to start my day, my first conversation is going to be with you. I don't even have to get out of bed yet. Or maybe I'll just kind of roll over and lean over, and that's going to be my first conversation is with you. God, I'm just praying you would speak to me, speak through me, that I'll begin to see you move in my life. Putting first things first, church. The first day of the week in passionate worship. The first conversation. The first thought. And the first part of your effort. That it will be the Lord's. Let's pray together now, church. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would show up in such a mighty way today. That, that we would begin something in this place. That what, what church at its best is supposed to look like, Jesus, is that we would get so encouraged in this place and get pumped up that we could face the rest of the week. That we would begin the process of passionate worship in this place together. That as we fellowship together and sing together and hear from your word and study it and pray as one corporately, that it would inspire us to walk with you the rest of this week. That's why the church gathers is to build one another up and to encourage one another to great things and to follow Christ more closely. God, would you do that this morning? We can't do that. We can't do that just by having good songs or having a good word, a good message. We, we can't accomplish that apart from you. I'm asking, Lord, that you would inspire us today to really build our relationship with you that starts day by day, moment by moment, and there's no shortcuts. There's no, there's no shortcuts to this. Just like there's no shortcuts to building quality relationships, we have to spend time with you regularly. And you desire it. And that's so fascinating to me. God, would you show up in a mighty way today? I'm praying for that person tomorrow, Monday morning, <laughs> that, that night owl that's going to wake up tomorrow, that you would show up in prayer that you would reveal yourself to them in your word. God, I pray that boldly. That it would be obvious that they're in the presence of God. Help that seasoned believer in the room, that one's been following you for a while, Lord. Reveal yourself to them in a way that's fresh. That things wouldn't be ritualistic for them anymore. That they would get creative and find ways to really spend time with you that aren't rote and aren't dry. Help us, Lord Jesus, show up. We, we pray. We pray boldly. Give us courage to follow that last thing, that as we begin more and more and follow you more and more and love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that you would teach us, you will show us, you will empower us to love others as you've called us to. We really can't do that well. We can't love others as you've called us to love them, this unconditional kind of love. Would you pour out through us, first to us and then through us, and the things we say and the way we act. Help us to be interruptible with people that we would use our time and our talents and our treasure to love. Pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.